Let us pray. Father, we thank you for being a God that is with us. We thank you for Jesus, the Word made flesh, who is the answer for why there is meaning and purpose in life and the one who beckons us to follow him. So now, O Lord, we follow him into Holy Scriptures. I just ask that you take the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and make them wholly yours, that as we seriously consider this passage today and in the coming weeks from Hebrews, that you might help us to actively listen and critically think for the purpose of growing in radical love. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, that was last week. Isn't that an awesome picture? One of the most difficult aspects about having a magnificent worship service, such as last week's homecoming, is that the following Sunday often feels like a Debbie Downer. The hymns, the musical guests, and the message last week were meant to inspire and unite us, much like a Christmas or an Easter service. So we pause this morning. We give thanks and we say, man, that was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And then the educator turned pastor says, let's switch gears now and learn something new. Ready, class? May not be as fun as last week, but I don't care. So welcome to Hebrews, merit badges for Jesus. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what a merit badge is, a merit badge is a badge earned by a scout who learns and becomes proficient in a particular skill set. Certain merit badges are required for certain ranks as one progresses in scouting with a total of 21 merit badges earned as one of the many requirements for becoming an Eagle Scout. By the way, there are about 137 different merit badges um, that you can earn at Boy Scouts, although I think it's just scouting now. Y'all, that's a lot of merit badges. And I do want to just say this before we go on, an important distinction. We cannot earn our salvation with Jesus, okay? So just hear that again as I'm talking about merit. We cannot earn our salvation with Jesus. It's a gift freely given by grace through faith. We can, however, grow in our skill set of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The book of Hebrews offers us the opportunity to better understand the skill set of Christology. Oh, and I hope, I hope, I hope I haven't lost you yet. But if I haven't, I probably will here on this next side. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about the subject of Hebrews. It's Christology. Now, Christology is the branch of theology dedicated to learning about the nature and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The letter to the Hebrews is one of the few New Testament letters that were not written by the Apostle Paul. It was written in Italy by an unknown author and is probably maybe written by Silas or Apollos, maybe in the style of Luke. Doesn't really matter. I think what's important is 
that most of the other letters in the New Testament address either a mixed audience of Jewish people and Gentiles or a predominantly Gentile group. What is really cool about this letter is it specifically addressed Jewish converts to Christianity about the greatness of Jesus Christ, about the superiority of Jesus Christ. Judaism provided the religious framework for Jesus to enter the world. This letter makes the case for why Jewish Christians should consider continuing to follow Jesus rather than returning to their old religious framework. So I had to give you that little bit of educator stuff now, and I'll work it in here and there as we go throughout this series. And here's a quick look at our Christological merit badges for the next few weeks, just so you get an idea. Today we're going to be considering orienteering. orienteering. Next, pioneering. And if you'll click on them, I have an image that's supposed to come up for each one. Sorry. There we go. Orienteering is today. Pioneering, that's going to be next week. Citizenship, that's going to be the week after. Life-saving, that's going to be the week after. Emergency preparedness, that's how we're going to end. Now, just quickly, I'm curious. How many people here were either in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts at some point in your life? Raise your hand. Fabulous. So you don't need me to explain to you what a merit badge is anymore, right? Okay, good. Also, a special thanks to Pastor Deb who created the graphics for each of our five merit badges for this series. That's more work than I was interested in doing, so she did it. And I didn't even ask her, so thank you, Deb. She also, by the way, she also created coloring pages for those who like to color. Notice I didn't say for the kids. But for those who like to color. So one of the activities on the coloring pages is count how many times Pastor Randy says, y'all. <laughs> hey, it's something fun to do during a sermon. If you get bored with this, say how many times I say y'all, y'all. And if you're counting, that's at least two or three right there. So let's continue with the first sermon in the series, Orienteering. Now, orienteering is the sport of navigation using a map and a compass. One of my favorite things about working at Boy Scout camp was the end of the week orienteering competition. That week's merit badge class would be split up into several teams. They would be given a map, a compass, and points throughout a 2,600-acre wilderness to find and then complete their circuit. And inevitably... Going back, inevitably, one or more groups would get off course. And yes, some of the staff would hide in the woods to make sure the scouts didn't get lost, but we also hid in the woods so that we could laugh when they got lost. It's cruel, isn't it? No children were harmed in the making of this mare badge. Now, what happens if the group gets off course? Well, the orienteer orients and if necessary reorients the group if it gets off course. And what happens if everyone in the group tries to be the orienteer? First chaos, then defeat. And you're lost. Because there can only be one orienteer. The book of Hebrews is addressed to off-course Christians. These Christians were thinking about returning to the religion of Judaism 
because following Jesus Christ was proving to be too difficult. Persecution was coming not only from the Roman authorities, but also from the Jewish community to which they once belonged and in which they were still living. So they were wavering a little in their faith. They were wandering off course. And the author begins his letter by addressing the past and what has now changed in the present to orient God's people toward God's future. It begins in the past. God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Past mean what lies behind, what came before. But here's a nice word. It's a neat word. Eschatos. It means last days. With reference to a place. Remember we talked last week during homecoming. It's both where a people and a place unite. Eschatos, the last days. This thing's coming to an end. From the perspective of God's illimitable grace, this place, the heavens and the earth, have now arrived at the last time in history. By the way, that was 2,000 years ago. So clearly for the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Right? Universe can also be translated as cosmos, but here it's translated as ion. It means an age or a time. So if we retranslate it, these verses might sound like this. Long before now, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in the final days of history, in the final days of history, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made every age, every time. He sets this up because he wants the audience to understand, and he wants we who are walking now to understand that now is the time to orient your life toward Jesus because Jesus is the orienteer. His ministry and death and resurrection and ascension forever changed time on earth and in the heavens. Forever changed time. Did anybody else's birth ever change the calendar? Now, scholars now use things like BCE and CE, right? Before the common era and in common era. But what made the common era the common era? Annos Domini. Jesus. The birth of Jesus. And BC, before the common era, come on, before Christ. And nobody else in the history of history changed the calendar, y'all. You can add that one to the list. Now history has entered its final stage through the person and the work of the one who made the ages. So don't orient your life around a religion that excludes, but a person who includes, that's Jesus. Why should we orient our lives toward Jesus? Because he is superior to any, to anyone, anything, anytime, any place, because he made everyone, everything, every time, and every place. According to Hebrews, Jesus, the orienteer, is the radiance of God's glory. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things with his powerful word. After he provided for the purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now this word radiance is found only in this verse. It refers to the person of Jesus. He's shining forth in glory and the likeness of his father. He's blazing with an eternal light. John's gospel describes Jesus' blazing light as this. In him was life. And that life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness. And darkness has not overcome it. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact representation. Which also means like how a coin is minted and stamped. He is the express image. He is literally the exact image of God's essence. If you ever wanted to know what God looks like, Jesus. And whatever God's essence is, Jesus is its perfect expression. Listen, the writer of Hebrews doesn't want his audience to see a Jesus that is too small. A Jesus that can be controlled. A Jesus that is worth leaving to return to the way things used to be. You know, the church today is also guilty of making Jesus too small. We do it through various cultural expressions and other means. For example, I love this story. It's both humorous and alarming. Aren't those the best kind of stories? Yes, no, okay. Y'all, there you go, add that to the list. My children shared a story with me of a girl with whom they were once in youth group. This girl believed so thoroughly that Jesus was white, with blondish brown hair, fair skin, and blue eyes. She believed this so thoroughly and so passionately that when Madison and Haley who, by the way, have been trained in the fine arts of argument, debate, and theology. When Madison and Haley simply told her, you know, Jesus wasn't white. She argued with them, and then she cried. How small had that child's parents made Jesus out to be that they made him after their likeness? How often do we try to make Jesus after our likeness? We don't make Jesus after our likeness. Jesus made us after his likeness, which is why the author of Hebrews writes, so he became so much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In other words, why reorient your life around something inferior? Or a Jesus that you can control? Or a Christianity that we turn into a religion when it's supposed to be about following a person. Why reorient your life around something inferior when you can orient your life around the only one who is superior? That's Jesus the Christ. So today I want to offer you this application for orienteering. And central to the application is this, stay close 
to the orienteer. Now, before I tell you my points, I feel like the Lord has wanted me to say this to you today. I don't know where in your life you need to hear this, but I am sure somewhere, somewhere in your life, maybe it's your finance, maybe it's your relationship with your children or your grandchildren, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's a relationship with your coworker, maybe it's with the people around you as you drive your car every day. I don't know. But somewhere in your life, you need the orienteer to help you reorient on him. And so I offer three applications for you today. But you can apply Jesus the orienteer to any part of your life as you're orienteering with him, okay? Number one, first and foremost, orienteering with your Bible. When you read and study scripture, trust Jesus to interpret every tricky passage. And make application as to how to love others. That means everyone. That's what makes Jesus really big. Right? We try to make Jesus small when we say, well, Jesus loves everybody but them. Or him or her. Or they. When we do that, we make Jesus really small. Y'all. This is important. If your first thought after reading or studying a passage of Scripture is to apply it to someone else, then you're likely not applying it correctly. And I know that from years of heartache. Also, if you're weaponizing Scripture to marginalize others or to prove that you are right and others are wrong, you're no longer following the orienteer. Number two application, orienteering in your behavior. Trust Jesus daily to guide your words and guide your steps. I love this passage. It comes out of the book of James. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anybody here struggle with that? It's tough. One of the ways that we can orient and reorient our life with the orienteer is being quick to listen. When others are talking, Practicing active listening. What are they saying? Reflecting back to them what they're saying. Because more often than not, everything in the world can be solved. If one person is speaking, the other person is listening and says, this is what I hear you saying. Simply validating what another person says. You don't have to agree with them to validate. People want to be heard. Just like you want to be heard. There's somebody in your life that wants to be heard. Trust Jesus to allow you to let them be heard. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One of the things that James talks about in his letter is also how we praise God out of one side of our mouth and say bad words about our brothers and sisters out of the other. So when we are orienteering in our behavior with Jesus, don't praise the pastors, the staff, the leadership of the church out of one side of your mouth while cussing them out on the other side. And please... If I've not said this enough, I'm probably going to say it again and again. Because I have a kiddo who has to work on Sundays. And she works at Weiss. 
and Sundays as her least favorite day to work. You know why? Because that's when all the Christians come in. You know, when I was working at her age, I was working in a restaurant as a host. I was the host with the most. (laughs) The one day I hated to work was Sundays. Because the after church crowd would come in and they were the meanest people all week long. We laugh because we know it's true. When we are the meanest people in the restaurant or we're the meanest people at the store, we're not following Jesus. We're following a religion we've made up and we've made Jesus too small. Practice kindness in your dealings with others. And the last is this. Orienteering as a congregation. You know we're not in this alone, right? It's not you and, and, and you and you and you and you. It's us. It's we. And as a congregation moving into the future, trust Jesus' timing and those doing His work. Trust your brothers and your sisters whom God has chosen to lead us at precisely this time in history. And no other time in history is the elected leadership of this church in leadership. Just like at no other time in history am I a pastor here at Calvary Church. God has placed me here at this time. Can you imagine me being a pastor like 20 or 30 years ago? That just wouldn't have flown. Mm -mm. I would not have fit then. For whatever reason, I fit now. Leadership doesn't often know all the details. But as is our nature, we sometimes assume that leadership does know all the details. We don't. We just know only what God is revealing in God's timing, and we are trusting God for the rest. He calls us to do all of the, all of us to do that in our lives. So assume the best of people, not the worst. Trust that as leadership receives all the information and formulates it into God's plan and God's next yes. They'll communicate it to you as quickly as possible. Trust Jesus. Orient and constantly reorient your life with the orienteer. Stay close to Jesus. This is the message of Hebrews. Otherwise, our orienteering may lead us down the wrong path. Where we don't look much like the people that follow Jesus, but more like a religion. And the world's got plenty of those. And what it needs are relationships that are healthy. And this is God's word seriously considered this day for the church at Calvary and all with ears to hear. All thanks and praise be to Jesus the Christ, the Orienteer. Amen.